0: Beyond the Wrench with Jay Ganinen from WrenchWay.
1: Welcome back to Beyond the Wrench. My name is Jay Ganinen and I am your host. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to everyone that tunes in every week to listen to our podcast. We've seen significant growth over the past few years and this podcast wouldn't be what it is today without all of our listeners. If you're an active listener or love Beyond the Wrench, we would appreciate it if you would rate and follow this podcast. This helps us grow our podcast in front of other listeners like you, which feeds into the long-term success of our show. Today, I'm excited to have with me Rob Frowine and Catherine Petralia, who are the co-founders of Keep Financial. Keep Financial is a great partner of Wrenchway and a fantastic company that is passionate about helping businesses create long-term relationships between employers and their employees. Rob and Catherine, how are you guys doing today? I'm great. Catherine, how You're are great. you? Great.
2: <laughs> <You're good. laughs>
1: well, that's that's good. We we're talking before the show, and they had me laughing pretty out of control. So this will be an interesting episode. I think you
0: guys are laughing. We, we have it. a lot of stress and pressure on us, Jay. Thanks a lot for that. <laughs> Definitely
1: keep it, keep it keep it light. Yes, yes. You're All right. There. So, Catherine, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Well, I, Rob and I have worked together for a long time, and we started another company together before this one. I've been in technology and fintech since the 90s, so I, I love figuring out how to use technology to solve problems.
1: Well, that, that's a pretty easy summarization. What, tell me, where did you grow up at?
3: I grew up in Tampa, Florida. My family's mm-hmm. all from South Georgia, but I just randomly grew up in, in Tampa.
1: That's not a bad spot to grow up.
3: Yeah, if you like water skiing with alligators, which I did a lot of as a kid.
1: <laughs> That's a normal thing. That's a, you, you get all the, yeah. the Florida man posts based on just uh, jet skiing with with alligators.
3: You just, just don't fall off your skis near the edge of the lake. You want to be in the middle because alligators right. are kind of lazy
1: as somebody from Wisconsin that's good advice for me as I'm visiting to not get eaten by an alligator that's that's pretty good Rob how
0: about you I'm not from Tampa but I grew up in Southern New Jersey a town called Vineland, New Jersey where I'm sort of a Philadelphia side of New Jersey my background is I I've, I've done I've, I've been a lawyer. I've run small businesses. And as Catherine said, about 15 years ago or a little less than that, but, but pretty close, we started a company together called Cabbage, which serves small businesses. And you know we've been working together ever since and, and recently started Keep Financial.
1: It's, it's a really cool company and, and what you guys have started and what you've done has been uh, honestly very inspirational. I talked to you about how your company had helped my company out in the early days and it really came out full circle in, in how, I don't know, like how connected, inter- interconnected everybody is. But it was really cool to see. And I, I guess my one question based on the first business is how did you guys meet in the first place to, to start something like that?
0: Catherine, you, me. Okay.
3: Rob and I worked together in 2005. Our companies are working together on some intellectual property discovery. And Rob and I are actually on some patents from that period, from 2005, 2006. When Rob had the idea for Cabbage, our last company, he called me up because he knew that I understood sort of FinTech and regulatory you know, complications. And so I, I, I was like, that's a great idea. Let's do it.
0: Actually, if you want to know the actual story, Catherine was working for another company. We worked together, she said, in '05, and then she went and she took a job with another company. And I went out to lunch with Catherine because I was trying to generate business for my business at that point. And she, I was asking her about what they did at her then current company, which was in the financial technology space. And she was, you know, telling me all these things during lunch and I'm, you know, listening and nodding, you know, as I'm listening to it. I didn't understand a word she said at all. I didn't understand anything about the world of financial technology. So when I had the idea for Cabbage, which was in that world, I don't know why, in that world, I was like... Who do I know that knows a lot about financial technology? And, and naturally, Catherine came to mind, but but has been an incredible partner over the years and, and taught me a lot of what I know now. And and, and obviously, it, it worked out great and we helped a lot of small businesses. And I don't think we mentioned the name of it, but it was Cabbage, a small business fintech that that we ran for many years and then ultimately sold to American Express.
1: It's a pretty cool story, and I think very inspiring to to everybody that is listening to this podcast. So, appreciate you sharing that story. Now, tell us a little bit about Keep. I'm I'm interested in terms of. Of what this new venture is, or the the, the newer venture is, and, and I don't know which one of you wants to give us a little no, detail into what Keep is. She touched but her I'll... nose,
0: and she, by touching her nose, I didn't know. I won. I did a nose touch. I was adjusting my glasses. I don't know if you saw that. My nose. No, happy to talk about it. What Keep Financial does is it really focuses on extending and improving the relationship. Between employers and employees, and what we've done is is we're really revolutionizing the world of compensation by allowing employees to take advantage of something called vesting cash compensation. So employers can use our platform to issue compensation to employees that's not yet been earned, but's earned through retention by the employees. And there's lots of amazing use cases that Catherine wants to tell you about to fill you in a little bit more about it. Catherine?
3: I I think what we think about, yeah, yes, there are a lot of obvious use cases around what we think of upfront compensation. Compensation that requires that an employee remain at the company in order for them to keep the money. And there's sign-on bonuses, there's retention bonuses, relocation bonuses, also tuition reimbursement. There are a lot of different um, ways that employers compensate employees and it's a one lump sum but they have to remain at the company for some period of time. and so those are the obvious ones where we think it's much easier for keep to step in and manage those those ways that employees compensate their employers compensate their employees but also there are a million other ways that employees get paid and and rob has been saying of late something that i think is really special and important which is we have employees all around the world working for lots of different companies and we, we kind of pay them all the same way We think about employees as employees, not about, you know, John and Jill and Fred and Estelle and, you know, they all have different situations. Some of them are single and they love to travel and they don't have kids. Some of them have one parent working and four kids and they're trying to buy a home. Some people need to pay off student debt. Some people are taking care of older parents and everybody comes to our companies in a different place and they need different things, but we pay them all the same way. And so I think it's a really interesting opportunity to think about compensation overall and how we can give them what they need when they need it. And also at the same time, keep them excited about working for our companies and and make them financially successful. So let's take it, I'm gonna keep talking for a second, but let's take our annual salary increases that we give to people. You, it may wind up just being a few hundred dollars a month. That's an annual salary increase. And people don't tend to save that money. They tend to go to Starbucks more or go out to dinner one night a week, or, you know, whatever the things are that people do, you know, you get a slightly nicer car, we kind of live to our salary and our salary kind of controls how we live. And if we create opportunities for employees to get access to larger sums of capital that they can use to to accomplish important things in their lives for financial independence, I think we can make them better employees at the same time that we make them more financially successful.
1: And I, I love that. I think that's what stuck out to us so much when we first started talking with Keep was trying to figure out ways that these shops that are, are so desperately trying to find technicians, ways that you can make technicians' lives easier. And I think as you explain this, this, there's a lot of opportunity out there for those dealerships and independent shops and fleet repair shops that are out there listening to think about this differently. And, and maybe not so inside the box, something a little bit different. We deal with a lot of things that are really, really expensive, right? Our tools as technicians, when you're in a shop are expensive. And it's really hard for a young technician who oftentimes is paid the least amount in the shop right off the bat, has the biggest investment needed to be able to do their job. And we wonder why we have troubles getting new people into this industry. I, I think what you have identified, the two of you have identified, are ways to get around barriers like that, right? To, to be able to help maybe that young person out as they're getting their feet underneath them to, to be able to get in the industry, as well as, you know, I, I like the way you said that, Catherine, with varied, I guess, people in different stages of their lives. It demands more capital at times, right? It de- demands more money. And and so what you guys are doing is essentially getting them access to be able to to live a kind of a regular life, right?
0: Yeah. And look, I mean, in the example and and the conversations we've had with you, it is expensive for somebody to get into the industry, right? It is expensive for them to have the tools they need in order to be able to, you know, do the job. And employers giving those employees that opportunity by, You know, fronting the money for the, you know, for those tools or whatever it may be with some expectation that the employee sticks around for a period of time is perfectly reasonable trade off in those situations. And there's, there's so many examples like that. There's, there's examples of, you know, potentially hiring people, you know, that are, you know, coming into the US from another country and have visa costs associated with it. It's, you know, somebody wanting to go back to school and get additional education so they can advance their career, hopefully, at your, at your organization. There's, there's all sorts of ways that this happens. There's some companies who are now providing benefits to their employees. So, so another company will provide some benefit. Maybe it's the ability to, you know, get an e bike or get a bike so that you can ride to work or get, you know, you know something changed at your house. And allowing employees to take advantage of that in exchange for, you know, some agreement for them to stick around with the company is, is something that, you know, we think is going to be a trend. And a, a lot of times, you know, we see employees go from one employer to the next because they're trying to get an increase in pay. And oftentimes your increase in pay occurs when you switch from one job to it, which is too bad, right? Because then employers lose somebody that's that's, you know... Been with them and has all that institutional knowledge. If you, you know, can encourage them to stick around, that's that's great for them and it's great for your company.
1: How do you go about having that conversation with an employee? And I, I, I want to maybe talk through the process a little bit. And uh, money can do funny things to people, right? And in the way they talk or the way they communicate, the way they think, and. Maybe there's some folks out there that are prideful and they don't you know they're, they're not saying, "Hey, I, you know I need extra assistance right now." But do you have any suggestions and ways that you could present something like this to a, to an employee?
3: I feel like it's it, we have sort of stigmatized talking about money at work, talking about money with our employers, talking about compensation, asking for compensation to be paid differently. And if employers were able to give employees options and say, hey, Which one? Let's start and ask you a couple of questions. Like, do you have specific goals you're trying to reach right now? Do you have specific obligations that are making it hard for you to reach these other goals? Can you participate in our 401k matching program, for example? Are you able to afford that? We had people at our last company who were not able to participate because they were busy servicing their student loans. So understanding and asking questions about where employees are coming from and then giving them a menu, if you will, and helping walk them through what's best for you. These are conversations that we're not used to having. These are conversations that have been discouraged, I think, largely in organizations. But everybody works for money. So let's make sure that the money is working for them.
0: And we've taken it with folks that we're hiring in the new company by just saying, hey, what are your goals over the next few years? And trying to incorporate that into the offer. And and Catherine talked a little bit about it. And she said, you look, we've and, and she just did a presentation at an event not long ago. But, you know, the idea is, did anybody ever ask this question? Like, why do we get paid twice a month? And why is everything sort of lined up the way it is? Like, who made that decision? You know, and is that the right thing for me? And, you would know, think in this world where we can land, you know, stages of a rocket, you know, on a platform in the middle of the ocean that we can figure out how to create more flexible compensation arrangements without a doubt. But it in general, has not been to the benefit of, frankly, employers. So we're trying to make sure that there's a a strong incentive for employers to want to do it. But, you know, for banks and payroll companies in general, this is, you know, this is not a topic they want to think about because, in general, they make a lot of money out of the way the system works today. And, frankly, employers and employees are the ones who end up not benefiting from that situation.
2: Technicians, are you looking for a new job? Even if you're just casually looking, you need to check out reverse job posts. Reverse job posts flips the traditional job board around. You can now fill out a short questionnaire and let shops reach out to you with job opportunities. No resume needed. The best part is all of your contact info remains anonymous until you're ready to share it. It's a great way to explore new job opportunities and it's completely free to use. To create a reverse job post, simply download the free Wrenchway mobile app or visit wrenchway.com and click on the reverse job post link. We've also included links in the show notes.
1: It's interesting to me, and we'll, we'll talk about how this relates to recruitment of new talent and maybe even retention of new talent once we get through kind of this section. But one thing I do want to maybe understand a little bit more is the process in which a company uses you, right? And, and when they come on board with Keep, what is it that they do? It, it, you talked about the variety of different ways that maybe you could set up a program, but in is there a way that you could walk me through this, maybe visually, to be able to understand the process? If you're on the customer side of this, sure.
3: sure. So the the employer themselves has, you know, decided to work with Keep, and they decided they want to offer flexible compensation options to their employees. And so when they have a conversation specifically with their employee, and they offer someone, let's presume that it's I'm going to use for the sake of this conversation a new employee, a new employee that has an expenditure that comes along with finishing school and now they have to buy equipment in order to get their first job. Let's say it's $5,000. And the employer knows that they're going to deliver that $5,000 upfront to this candidate in order to get them to sign their offer letter to get them to come work with them. So the way it technically works is is the employee doesn't really notice anything different. They're like, okay, I'm going to get $5,000. The only difference is they enter into an interest-free agreement with keep, which is us. And we manage, if you will, what we call vesting, but it's the the, the way that the employee earns back that $5,000 over time, because they haven't earned the money yet. They've received the money, but they haven't earned it. And the employer might say, well, we need you to stay with us for one or two years. So that when you, if you leave before then, you have to pay us back. And if you don't, then you don't. And so what employers are looking for again is retention. They want to make sure that employees stay because it's expensive when there's turnover in those roles. The employee stays for two years and they keep their $5,000 and they, the employer has received two years worth of work from the employee. And so that's really technically how it works. If they leave early, then keep steps in and we manage collecting the remaining funds that are outstanding from that employee. And then that's the end of of that um, of that transaction. So it's really very simple and straightforward. And the employees get the money up front and the employers get to keep their employees.
1: And without the hassle from an employer standpoint of the, the hassle of trying to manage yet another thing. Right. I think that can be so overwhelming at times when you're trying to keep everything in line. Yet there's, you know, all of these different programs and agreements that you've got from from managing a business that, that can quickly become overwhelming. So the fact that you guys kind of take that out of their hands has to, you know, from my standpoint, would make make it a lot more comforting to know that you're entering into agreement. You know what the agreement is and it's pretty freely stated so you can get access to it and see the agreement. I, I, I think just that part, keeping it clean is such a benefit to an, an employer in general. Well, you
3: know, this is an area where. Go ahead, KB. I was going to say super fast. This is an area where small business owners often think that they are disadvantaged compared to the largest businesses in the world. But it's really interesting. The biggest companies in the world, with hundreds of thousands of employees, also don't have systems to manage this. So this is this is something in the industry and compensation that is really really hard to manage. How do you give your employees access to to money upfront that you can get back if they leave? How do you make it contingent upon staying with the company? Sorry, Rob.
0: No, no, that's 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 exactly right. The you know so what our platform does is it manages all the different vesting. So we have employers that have different arrangements with different employees, and things you know get much more complicated once you start doing this with. You know, multiple employees for sure. The other thing, even doing it with a couple of employees usually involves a tremendous amount of documentation. So what we really wanted this to be is a situation where they could literally land on our site, an employer that is, and they could issue one of these types of compensation to an employer literally in minutes. And then we handle all the regulatory compliance, documentation in every state where you might have employees. And then we handle, as Kathner said, the collection and servicing of those debts is something should you know, be on. You know, should if somebody should leave before they fully vested in, to the amount, and uh, and you know, that's that whole process. As Catherine said, we have some. We have we have one employer that literally provided signing bonuses to thousands of employees. Very large employer, and they don't have a system for collecting. Even though many hundreds of those people have have now left the employment. And, there are, and they've got many millions of dollars that are outstanding, but no easy way to collect it. So it can happen at the very large stage, as Catherine said. It can happen and, and be a real headache if you're a much smaller company. And so we've we've always, even with Cabbage, it was very important for us to be able to serve the very smallest businesses that are out there with the understanding that if you can serve the very small business – You can also serve much larger businesses. And so that was something that we always took a lot of pride in.
1: I want to go to the candidate side of this a little bit. And when they're entering into an agreement with a business, do you have any advice on maybe what they should look for? And Catherine, I'll start with you on this one. When they're looking at this, and a lot of times it can be hard to kind of comprehend everything that's in an agreement. Is there any advice you'd have for that candidate in terms of what they're reviewing and what to watch out for?
3: Yeah, I think most employees understand the, the the fundamentals about compensation. You know what what is my take home pay going to be on a you know weekly, biweekly, bi monthly basis, whatever the the cadences of payment. I think most people understand that. Understanding what goes into variable comp. Whether it's commissions or whether it's end of year bonuses or any of the other kinds of compensation that's paid out, it's really important to be super clear on what, what do I need to do and what needs to happen for this other, you know, compensation that, that I may not be able to control to, to accrue to me. That's really important. There's an area also around equity that I think is often really confusing for potential employees. Understanding if you're receiving options or restricted stock units or other ways that you may get part of a, of, of a company's you know equity, I think that's really confusing for a lot of people. And so ask as many questions as you need to, to get really comfortable with it. What has to happen for this to be worth X? What is this? What do you expect this will be equivalent to in a year or two years or three years? What if I meet all my goals? What if I invest? Am I going to get more? These are all questions that are important to ask when you're joining a company so that you can effectively plan for your finances. I mean, companies, finance teams plan for their finances, and it's important for you to handle your personal finances in the same way.
0: Rob, anything to add? No, I think Catherine, I think Catherine absolutely nailed that. You know, look, we, all our documentation is extremely clear because this is a regulated product, meaning that we're entering into an agreement. We, we're either providing it as a effectively, we sit in the middle here as effectively a lender with this 0%, so this interest-free agreement that Catherine is... So we lay out all the terms very clearly, but the reality is it's it's very simple, typically, which is there's going to be, you're going to receive some amount of money and it's going to vest over some... And assuming you meet that schedule, you actually don't have to pay it back. So it, it becomes... Effectively forgivable during that period of time. And so we try to make this really simple for both the employer, but obviously with the employee. And I think the most important thing, which which you've all touched on a little bit here, is really, and one of our objectives is, is to make sure that employees, you know, become more financially savvy as they, you know, grow in their careers. And so, you know, one of our objectives over the next year is to either partner and or launch a lot of information that helps people think a little bit more about budgeting, think a little bit more about investing in things that, that you know, can yield a return for them. It's a pretty complicated economic picture out there right now, it's certainly not getting any simpler. And so I think it's incumbent upon everybody to try to educate people around their finances.
1: It's such an underrated thing to teach people how to budget, right? Like I think being able to help an employee get their finances in order so that it's not, you know, their their brain isn't somewhere else when they're at work, right? And I think that's one of, obviously, one of the biggest stressors of an employee is are some financial issues, right? If they get in a bad spot financially... You, not your head's not focused on on work, right? And the more you can help them out. And I think this is maybe a, a shift from prior decades where I think a lot of employers didn't want any piece of that, right? they They didn't want to be the ones giving budgetary advice. But I think it for the health and the mental health of an individual that works for you, Helping them get their finances in order is such a such an underrated thing to me, I, it, Rob. I don't know. Do you see that changing within not only our industry but the 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 working force
0: in America as we speak? A hundred percent. There are there are actually a lot of companies that have been developed recently to kind of be an intermediary or or you know participate and ask employers, hey, can we help provide? Financial literacy products to your employees and employers are getting behind that because you look, the number one, you know, cause for divorce is financial issues. You know, we all know that, you know, it is one of the major stressors out there and it's going to make you make decisions that are not ultimately in your best interest. Catherine's point earlier, which is really one that's hard to understate is that the way the system actually watched a commercial, and I I forgot to write down who the it was for some financial investment group. And they were talking about, like, use our product, so you can get more lattes every year, you can get all these things. And I was sitting there going, exactly the wrong message, you know, (laughs) to be putting out there, you know, because what we should all figure out is take your salary that you're making today. And look, I understand inflation, and there's cost of living adjustments. So you have to take that into account, figure out how you budget and then figure out a way that as you incrementally grow your compensation, if you're not using keep to accelerate that portion and, and be able to invest it in and sort of a lump sum format at the very least, figure out how you're going to be able to save a portion of that and invest it because literally a, you know, a $6,000 raise a year equals $500, you know, twice a month, you know, and then after taxes, it's more like $350. And I mean, we all know, unfortunately, how quickly that money goes, you don't have to add too many more things into your daily repertoire before that money is gone. And, and to, to think how you could, you know, instead take $6,000 and invest it is, is a big deal.
1: Catherine, did you want to add anything to what he's saying? I
3: think it's just important to recognize that most people, I mean, in the U.S., most people don't have a few hundred bucks that they've saved in order to deal with unforeseen life circumstances. So it's important to realize that the more we can support the financial independence of our employees, the the less focused they'll be on managing unexpected financial concerns in their life and more focused on doing a great job and growing their careers.
1: Yeah, and this is a a major, major point of contention in our industry specifically because it is so easy to spend money on that tool truck that comes into the shop. You know, a, a lot of them are really good at putting you on a payment plan and kind of getting you in the cycle so that every week when that tool guy shows up, that I, I've got friends that drive tool trucks, right? And one of them joked with me that they're essentially a rolling accounts receivable. And I think it's really true because that's what they're doing. They get people on the hamster wheel and it just keeps going and going and going. And a lot of times they're not... Guided properly on what tools they should be spending the money on. They'll, they'll buy tools because they look cool or buy that big fancy toolbox that costs 10 grand and they don't need it. They don't even have the, uh, enough tools to fill up that toolbox that costs 10 grand. So I, wow. I think being able to educate young technicians in our industry that you don't have to buy the best of everything right off the bat. Do what you can and put yourself in a, a position. To where you're not putting so much pressure on yourself financially early on in your career, and you'll enjoy it a lot more. But there, you know, from from my standpoint, coming from a shop and growing up in a shop, there's some level of almost pressure to to have to buy these top end tools, and it's it's almost like you know going and, and buying a bunch of steak dinners when you could get by with you know going to and getting some burgers or something like that, right? It it just it blows my mind that we don't have more education in our industry to make sure that these folks understand what they're buying and the impact of what their actions are early on in their career, just because it might be the first time that they freely have access to some form of credit, right? They, they get a tool truck that comes out and says, hey, buy this big shiny toolbox. Yet yeah, it's one of the dumbest things you can do. And it drives me crazy because our industry does it over and over and over again.
3: Well, my, my it's, brother-in-law it's- is a contractor oh, we did it again. <laughs> my my brother-in-law is a contractor. He lives in New York. He does a lot of general work in housing. And he talked to me about this recently, about all the tools that he has in his truck. And he said, he's always really happy when there's somebody who's young, who's new to the to the industry, to the business, to give them access to his tools. Cause he's got a ton of them. Cause he's, you know, he's my age, he's old. So he's had an opportunity <laughs> to to acquire more more tools over time. And so he, so I would, I would, Suggest perhaps that if there are people around you who you know who've been in your business for a long time, ask them questions, look up to them. I bet they'll be willing to share a lot more than advice. They'll probably be willing to share their tools.
0: Yeah, Catherine's right, she is very old. You guys are <laughs> terrible. <laughs> no, I'm old, I'm young way. though.
3: Yes, <laughs> you know,
0: pretty much everybody is. No, but you know what's amazing is you said this you know, these payment plans, right? So, one thing. Look, and Cabbage was in the business of providing credit. It was relatively short-term credit, right? So it was six months or, or 12 months in general. And so it was short-term credit. But what has happened in the consumer credit industry is exactly what you said. What's like, hey, let us put you on a payment plan, right? Which is something that's actually been around for a heck of a long time, but has gotten more recent. It's like BNPL, by now, pay later. Right. So what you're ultimately doing when you're doing these things is you're really mortgaging your future by doing that. Right. I mean, we know companies that let you put that cup of coffee I was talking about, let let you buy that on four payments. You know, like your coffee, your daily <laughs> coffee. Like that shouldn't be the case ever. Just drink one fourth of it instead of making four payments. But you know, so that, that becomes a real issue. But you're right. I mean, the, the problem is everybody starts thinking about it in terms of monthly payments, right? Hey, based on what I'm making right now, can I afford to buy more, buy more, buy more? And we don't want to turn this you know, conversation into a lecture on fiscal responsibility, obviously. But look, there can be a much closer alignment between employers and employees And you can help employees, you know, make wiser decisions and keep financial is definitely a company that's very, very focused on aligning those those concepts. Right. I mean, that the stuff we do doesn't have any cost to the employees whatsoever. What you're basically doing is, you know, committing to a company and there's value to the employer in having you commit to the company. And so that's the exchange of value we're talking about, not in money, but really in loyalty. It's it's really it's really a loyalty play. And I and I do think, especially in, in what's happened since the you know, pandemics hit, is I, I don't think any of us really know what loyalty is already something that's challenged and was challenged before the pandemic, but who knows what it's gonna look like five or ten years from now. It's gonna be my guess is it's gonna be a lot worse. I agree. Not
1: and I, I think last I checked, I think we're under four years in terms of the average stay of an, an employee's tenure at a, at a business. I think the average millennial is under it's like three years or something at this point. So, you know, I think being able to be realistic and understanding that there is this world where, where people move and it's maybe a little bit more fluid than what it was in the past. It's important to keep that in mind, but that doesn't mean we can't focus on retention and and make sure that the people that we bring into our businesses are really, really happy. And I, I want to use everything that we just talked about, right? And and we talked about financial education, the ability to to get that employee some flexibility right off the bat where maybe they wouldn't have that otherwise. But this can be a great recruiting tool as well in being able to do something differently than what everybody else is doing. And that's one thing that drives me crazy. And it's basically that everything looks the same. Every offering looks the same. If you go out to job posting on Indeed right now and look up automotive or diesel technician, almost all the ads look exactly the same. So being able to keep that in mind, that This is a really cool benefit that you could put together to help your recruiting process and not only your recruiting process, but your retention process as well. So I want to talk a little bit more about opportunities for recruiting and how you make your place of business an attractive place for people to want to come. So, Catherine, I want to start with you on this one and understanding... You know, you, you, say you put together this work, you do all of this work in trying to sweeten the pot for potential employees. How, how do you get that word out there? How do you how do you use this to your advantage as an employer?
3: I think there are two things that are part of it. Remembering that everybody works for money, I mentioned that earlier, so that it is important to make sure you have a solid competitive offer, and then and then understanding why are people leaving their jobs so much earlier right now. I think the reason people the, people's tenure companies is shorter is because the way to earn more is to leave. We're not creating compensation systems that encourage people to stay, that reward loyalty. So I think if you're marketing, if you're going to employ a a new way of, of providing compensation to your employees, then talk about it and say, listen, we want people to stay with us and we want people to make more money you know, a lot more money five years from now than they're making now. You don't have to leave and go somewhere else. I don't, I, I don't think employees necessarily want to leave. I don't think they that their life goal is, I want to work for 17 companies before I retire. I think their goal is, I want to make enough money that I can retire. And if your company can help them retire by working there for 20 years and paying them for it, then talk about it. And and I think employees will listen and potential that, employees will listen.
1: That's a, that's a great point.
4: If you're enjoying Beyond the Wrench, remember to follow and rate our podcast to help support the show. Right now, we'd like to give a shout out to this week's sponsor, Wind River Financial. Are you paying a bunch of added fees for credit card processing? How about waiting for hours or days for a callback from tech support at your payment processor? Wind River Financial is not okay with it either. In fact, a desire to get rid of the empty promises of the payments industry. Is one of the reasons this merchant services company was formed back in 1999. Now, over two decades later, family-owned, Wind River continues to thrive by bringing integrity, transparent pricing, and a higher standard of service to its customers. They've been serving the automotive industry for over 20 years and would love the opportunity to serve you too. Give them a call at 833-274-5875 or visit windriverfinancial.com.
1: You hit on a couple things there. I do love the fact that you state everybody works for money. I think sometimes we shy away from that, and it's not one thing you want to shy away from because it's the point of going to work in the first place, right? But I think the other side of that is truly giving them a different avenue or a different path where they don't have to take another job to get a raise, right? Or they don't have to, to, to look elsewhere because you're taking care of them so well that they wouldn't want to look elsewhere. And, and Rob, I'll let you kind of add on to this here, but to me, that sounds like a really great way to communicate. It sounds like a great way to actually provide some type of vision to where that person could go. And from an employee standpoint, it can't help, but, but help them want to stay where they're at.
0: Yeah. For a hundred percent. Look, I, you know, I think, I have this line. Like everybody wants to be wanted, right? You want, you want your employer to want you to want you to stay there. And I think, you know, we're, I think so many people on, are on the recruiting hamster wheel right now. They're just used to bringing people in and, you know, and we're going to lose a certain number of people each year and, you know, and, and we're just going to go ahead and recruit more people. And very few people understand what the cost of that hamster wheel is. It's incredibly expensive it's probably, you know, it's at the very the cost of an employee for six months or a year. You know, because you have to, you know, bring them in and look, some of the some of the jobs people do are are similar from job to job, right? So you can think of it in that way, but there's a certain experience level, a certain rhythm and cadence people get with their employers and how they interact that it takes a while before an employee becomes really effective. And it takes a while before your investment in an employee really pays off. But employers really don't spend the time thinking about that. And so, you know, they end up, you know, creating this hamster wheel where they bring people in and they kind of spit them out very, very quickly. And if you can bring them in with an offer that's very compelling from the beginning, make sure they understand that the reason we're bringing you in and we're willing to pay you in this kind of construct and this kind of amount is because, we want this to be the place where you are for a very, very long time. That is an incredibly powerful message to an employee. And so I really, you know, I, I'm really just echoing what, what Catherine said, but you'll be amazed at the increase in productivity in your business. Like this to me is building a dynasty within your company. We talk about that. And the reason it's so hard, right, in sports and why dynasties, have kind of died off for the most part is because everybody blames free agency, right? They, they, you know, that people, right? And what does that mean? People can move from place to place to place. Same thing happens in every other kind of employment scenario, which is if you build the right team and you get people together and they stay together for a long time, then you're going to build these, you know, it compounds on itself because you're not only that employee is happy because they're being compensated, but they're seeing familiar faces every day. They're building true friendships with people. And that was really important to us at Cabbage as well. We wanted people not only to feel like they had a great job, but we wanted them to feel like they were part of a team and they were part of people who genuinely cared about them. And that had probably the biggest that probably, you know, really generated the most impact, positive impact over the years at Cabbage. And that's really what we're trying to do here.
3: And, and agency think- and loyalty are not mutually exclusive. There's a huge overlap there. So you can, if you work at a place that you really love, where you feel like you have impact, and you're getting paid what you think is fair, but there's a lot of agency there. You're 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 in control of your destiny, even though you're staying with the same team. It's your decision, and and you have a lot more impact and a lot more control of the outcome than when you move around every year or two.
1: And isn't that? I mean, at the end of the day, I think everybody desires that control, right? And in a lot of cases, it doesn't feel like there's any control other than leaving to go to the next raise, right? And, And that's the one thing as an employee you can control. Whereas I think if you, and when I say you, managers and leaders that are out there listening, if you can have more proactive conversations and communication with your teams and understand what it is that they even want in the first place, that can maybe help you foundationally when you're trying to set up a program like this. You know, what are your struggles? What are your pain points and what can we do to help? And I think the one really cool thing that you guys have really, I guess, inspired me with is maybe thinking differently there, not just kind of doing it the way we've done it all forever, just because that's the way we've done it. Right. I think maybe putting some pressure on ourselves as leaders to, to, do things a little differently and look at benefits a little differently is hugely impactful to to retention, to recruiting, to the whole business. And Catherine, I I want to ask you for advice on those for those businesses that are out there. How 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 do you how do you suggest that? they look at this differently? Or what What would you give them for advice on how to approach benefits differently than they currently do?
3: You know, I think it's great to listen to your people. And to ask them questions like, what what do they need? What What are their concerns right now? What don't they understand about their compensation? What are their life goals? And how is that different than maybe when you were in their same role? Keeping in mind the people who are running businesses, who are running HR teams, they've been doing that job a lot longer than potentially many of the employees. And all of the assumptions that we have about what people want and how they want to work and how they want to spend their lives are different every generation. And so, I think it's important to ask questions to understand what's not serving us, and and when does the machine that runs our company serve itself versus serving our people? I, I would, I would, I think it's important to be willing to, to sort of take apart all of the things that all of our assumptions about how we compensate our employees, how we retain our employees, and and say, what if I started from scratch? What if I was starting a business tomorrow? What what would I do differently? What would my people want? And ask them that.
1: That's a that's really good advice, by the way. Do you do you ever see Catherine? I'll go right back to you. When when you get people or you challenge people to maybe think in a little bit more broader terms in in terms of benefits, do you ever see defensiveness on over what their offering already is?
3: Yes, <laughs> you do. But that's I mean, of course, that happens. That's because a lot of what we do work. I mean, a lot of all of the tools that we have at our disposal today, they work. And people appreciate them. People appreciate healthcare benefits. Fifty years ago, health insurance wasn't a thing. You know, the 401Ks weren't a thing. This this stuff is new stock options weren't a thing. So there's all this stuff that we're doing that is, you know, innovative in this, like, period of time in which we, we live right now. But it changes all the time. And time changes. And the times are changing so much faster. I think there's a lot more movement in the way people work and the way people live and the way people, you know, have families and everything is so different. I think we just have to stop and take stock more rapidly than we're used to. And, and so it's hard to question everything you've been doing for your whole career and say, Oh no, maybe this is all wrong. Oh no, maybe I don't have a job. Like it's really hard. It freaks.
1: Rob, do you, do you
0: agree with what Catherine's saying there? No, not at all. No. no. Uh, <laughs> the I, opposite. You know, I just, I never listen to what she says. No, no. I, He's no like, wait a minute, was angry. she talking? Was she really talking? <laughs> to, how did she pronounce innovative? I didn't really understand that.
3: I said it that way. It was really weird.
0: It's very, it very, very out. English of you. I know. I, <laughs> I know. I didn't mean like it. That. Yeah. And look, I, you know, in general, it's, it's not like we're sitting here pounding our table saying, you know, employee revolution or anything along those lines. It's actually quite the opposite. It's very much a belief that employers can run a much more productive and efficient business if they align themselves more so with employees. And, you know, and look, there are certain roles where you need a certain number of people because you have a certain number of shifts, you have a certain amount of work that's coming in, and we totally get that. There's other things where it's, it's a question of how productive people are during a period of time. And, and frankly, I think a lot of those roles are also about productivity. What we're saying is, uh, effectively, with, the, with better alignment on the compensation side and benefit side, you can really actually create that efficiency. Right now, the machine is highly inefficient, and it's a lot less efficient than it was five years ago. So the, it's really heading in the wrong direction. When we really, at this point in our, you know, in our technological evolution... We really have everything at our disposal to make it work better. so it's so it's just simply time to do that.
1: Rob, do you as you lay out these benefits and you, you get creative and you're thinking differently and you're listening to the employees, how do you come up with the numbers of what you throw out there? Right. You know, I think it, it, it's it, when I'm looking at this, I'm like, man, I hear it from employers all the time talking about just general salary. Like, what should I be paying for salary? This seems like a, a, a maybe a another creative way, but also maybe a, a little more difficult way because you're trying to think of what is that magical number that's going to have an impact, but not also be so much that I'm, it's going to make me struggle to be profitable
0: it really isn't about increasing the amount necessarily about increasing the amount of money look you understand or you can readily understand approximately how much you know within a range that you should be compensating somebody for the work that they're doing the question is how's that allocated and employers are the ones who are making that dartboard kind of decision about how they should allocate things among a variety of benefits cash, non-cash, etc., among a variety of benefits. We don't need to do that. Let the employees figure it out, right? Like we need to build systems and ultimately that's what keeps going to be about is to really build systems that enable flexible, you know, compensation or award or reward or however you, whatever you call the total amount that you provide to an employee for their, for their efforts and let the employee figure out based on their individual circumstances what makes sense. That's what Keep is really about. We're not 100% obviously yet to that vision, but that's the direction we're going to. This is the first step in that direction. It's a major step, but it's the first step in that direction and so, you know, we hope you keep your eyes out for more more coming your way, but ultimately if you provide your employees with that flexibility, and with enough information, so they understand how to think about it, then you're going to be ten times further along this retention path than anybody else out there.
1: Catherine, anything that you'd like to add there?
3: Nope. I uh, Rob said it all.
1: This sounds like you're giving Rob credit for what he just said, which I think is a shocking turn of events here. Yes.
3: Yeah, <laughs> Once in a while, I have to let him feel like, you know, he's in control and that he has all the ideas. And so this is how I do that.
0: Usually I'm like this and she's got the puppet strings, right? You know?
3: Yeah, I, Rob <laughs> likes to say, like, I'm I'm up here at the top, just marionetting.
0: All yeah, that's
3: right. <laughs> I like to let him have the last word.
0: It. There you go.
1: <laughs> well, it's it's fascinating in how this relates to our industry. I know Mark, my business partner, had had some really good discussions with The two of you and I think there's so much value to our industry specifically, but maybe the trades as a whole, or maybe these, these other types of businesses that have that, that need to get more people into the industry, but also need to remove the barriers to get into the industry. And our industry in automotive and diesel repair is first and foremost it, the barriers to get to entry to get in and have adequate tools to be able to do your job is a real issue and i think what you guys are doing is phenomenal because that is so impactful to a young person or even maybe that veteran you know that's been in your business for 30 years i think it, it allows for some flexibility it allows for some honest conversations and, and maybe a way that we couldn't do that before. So I think everything that the two of you are doing and the KEEP team are doing is really impactful. And, and I honestly am just really excited to see where you guys go with this thing moving forward. We are, too. <laughs> Thank Looking you. Forward to it. Thank you. We appreciate that. So
0: tell me where either one of you can answer this, but where, where do folks learn more about KEEP? KEEPfinancial.com. Very, very, very simple. Or you can you can email either one of us, Rob at keepfinancial.com or Katherine. That's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N at keepfinancial. Yeah, Rob because, is easier.
3: Rob yeah, at
0: because keepfinancial.com. She she has forty-eight different spelling, potential spellings of her name. The funny it's on
1: purpose. Little quick funny story. We have a lady on our marketing team name Val, shout out Val. And when she first started, I should have clarified when we make the email addresses, she goes by Val, but her full name is Valerie. So her full email address is Valerie at wrenchway.com. And so it's, it's interesting that I probably should have just asked that up front and and that would have made her life significantly easier.
0: Well, we can, we can top that with one story. When we first Catherine and I started working together, I would, I always said, gosh, I just wish people would call me Rob. And she goes, Basically said, dumbass. Did you look at your business card? It says Robert. <laughs> you want people to call Plus, you Rob? His
3: email address. His email address said Robert in it, and I was like, I yeah. have an idea. <laughs> Start going Something by crazy.
1: Something crazy here. Just, uh, yeah. just yeah. Put uh, the actual yeah. name on there. That goes for. Roberts, Jonathan's, any any name that you can shorten up. If you want to be called the shortened version of that name, I think it would or the abbreviated version of that name. Do everybody else a favor and just shorten it up on all of your stuff. So then we. Jay,
0: you're fortunate. You have a three letter first name. So <laughs> you're not going to go anywhere with that one.
1: You would be but, shocked yeah. at how many people ask, "What is Jay short for?" I'm like, it's just Jay. But there's 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 no additional there's nothing additional to that name. So just Jay.
0: Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate you you having us on today.
1: You guys are a blast. Thank you so much for coming on the show and best of luck moving forward with Keep Financial. We, we look forward to, to seeing where you guys go with this thing. I think it's going to be big.
0: Thank you so much.
2: Thanks, Jay. That wraps up this week's episode of Beyond the Wrench. Be sure to tune in next week for another brand new episode. As a reminder, don't forget to rate and follow Beyond the Wrench on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps us get beyond the wrench in front of other fantastic shop owners, managers, technicians, and dealers just like you. So we can continue to help improve, promote, and grow this amazing industry. Thanks everyone for listening. And we'll be back next week.